Um, good evening. Hi. Uh, my name is Victoria. For those of you that I have not yet met, um, we are very excited to be launching the Sacred Feminine series. Hopefully this will be a seven-week series that we will explore together. And um, the emphasis there is explore together. Um, I think uh, this is definitely an invitation for each one of you to tap into um, your own experiences, uh, your backstories, your spiritual walks, um, and to explore what the sacred feminine means for you. And so this will not be a series where we are imposing a specific um, agenda or uh, deconstructing specific archetypes, um, but it, it's more so an inclusive and participatory thing. So um, I am the resident with the Open Table for the next year. Um, very excited to be a part of this community. Uh, a little bit about me. Um, I come from the nonprofit sector, uh, and so I've been engaged in some refugee work in Kansas City as well as some environmental science work. Um, and I am very excited to be a part of a spiritual community that's exploring a lot of important uh, theological and social political conversations that aren't talked about um, in other areas or other communities in our city. So um, I'm here to learn with you guys. So thank you. Hi, my name is Wendy Brockhouse. I'm the curator of The Open Table. I'm uh, usually joined by Nick Vickrell, but as you've heard, he's on vacation, so he'll be joining us the next time we get together. Uh, I welcome you to this Sacred Feminine series. Um, I thought I would start with a word of honesty, which is I feel sort of inadequate to begin tonight because it's such a large conversation, which is one of the reasons we're taking seven weeks to discuss it. Um, there's a lot to cover, and there are implications for what, how we talk about God, how we talk about the sacred, and whose voices are being heard. And those are things that we want to take really seriously during this series. So we will, we're planning on having mostly women um, as the speakers. It will be a multiracial group. We will have uh, at least one male speaker at this point, but um, stay tuned for those uh, nights. We'll be releasing more about that in those soon. And before we get started, I, I want to take a moment to say the name of Botham Shemjean, who was uh, an armed black man killed in his apartment by a police officer this week. I know a lot of people in this community are folks who are working towards racial reconciliation and justice, and not just posting about it on Facebook when things like this happen in the news. Um, but as a community, I wanted to take a moment to say his name and remember him. Thank you. We have a couple of, um, brought a couple of tablecloths up here this, this evening because they reminded me of things in my past that were difficult for me when talking about the sacred feminine because actually that phrase, I never heard it till I was a, a young adult. I don't know about you all, but um, did, did any of you hear about God as, use any female terms for God or the female um, idea of God when you were growing up? Okay, pretty small percentage of people. <laughs> maybe 10%, maybe. Um, I'm, I'm just glad. I'm glad for you all. That's, that's a beautiful thing when that happens. And I think 
Um, the rest of us maybe had the version that was kind of like these tablecloths. I have the one over on my far side is uh, just a plain white tablecloth. And for me, that was held up as like this femininity was this pure white image of like spotless purity, not to be tainted by things like, uh, you know, like food. <laughs> and in my, in my own culture, it was literally whiteness that was presented as a part of that. So white femininity. Um, but as an adult, I'm grateful for those voices who have been able to share with me more of an image of this other tablecloth, which is just a bunch of pieces stitched together. Sometimes they match, sometimes they don't. Um, when you look at it, there's a pattern, though. Sometimes our lives are messy, and I think the sacred feminine can teach us, um, can nurture us, can embody us and empower us to become whole. And that's one of the reasons we're having this series. Uh, I want to thank our core group leadership team for coming up with this idea and for um, brainstorming with us about how to um, pursue that. The tonight's uh, topic or um, title was originally Vixens and Virgins. I don't know if you all saw that on uh, social media. Got some interesting feedback about that. Uh, <laughs> after we posted it within like, I don't know, I think we posted it in the evening and then overnight there were like three or four negative comments that Nick was getting uh, as feedback, either DMs or um, directly on the post. And people, I think there were people maybe who didn't know what the open table was about and they were taking it very literally, like thinking we were saying women should be referred to as that. <laughs> uh, when we were kind of using it like tongue in cheek, like, yeah, that's not uh, how we want to refer to women. We're actually calling those unhelpful stereotypes. Um, <laughs> which is why the title uh, switched to a more biblical exploration. So we're going to get into that <laughs> now. <laughs> we didn't want to alienate people at the beginning of the series, um, so that's, that's the reason for that. Good times. Good times with social media. So you have on your tables uh, a number of images. I'd like you to take a moment and look at those and uh, pick one up that interests you. As you're doing that, I'm, we're also going to be reading um, scripture verses related to the stories of Eve and Mary. So I invite you to listen and reflect as we do that. This is a reading from the book of Genesis in the Hebrew Bible. The snake was the most intelligent of all the wild animals that God made. He said to the woman, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, we may eat the fruit of the garden's trees, but not the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. God said, don't eat from it, and don't touch it, or you will die. The snake said to the woman, you won't die. God knows that on the day you eat from it, you will see clearly, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was beautiful with delicious food, and that the tree would provide wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it, and also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. This is a reading from Luke 1, verses 46 through 55 from the Inclusive Bible. My soul proclaims your greatness, O God, and my spirit rejoices in you, my Savior, for you have looked with favor upon your lowly servant, and from this day forward all generations will call me blessed. For you, the Almighty, have done great things for me, and holy is your name. Your mercy reaches from age to age for those who fear you. You have shown strength with your arm. You have scattered the proud in their conceit. 
and you have exposed the mighty from their thrones and raised the lowly to high places. You have filled the hungry with good things, while you have sent the rich away empty. You have come to the aid of Israel, your servant, mindful of your mercy, the promise you made to our ancestors, to Sarah and Abraham and their descendants forever. We've taken a few moments to reflect on these passages of scripture. I invite you to also reflect on your image that you chose. In this program or bulletin, you'll see a number of questions. So I invite you to continue your reflection and think about why you chose the image you did and does it bring up any feelings for you? And then discuss with a partner, maybe pick one or two of the questions. Does the image you chose have any connections with a woman you've known? And if so, how? What is this woman, either Eve or Mary, what is her reputation? What were you taught about her? How have Christian interpretations of her affected your understanding of women? And how might she write her own story? So please find a partner or two. We're going to spend some time discussing this tonight. I would love to hear more uh, from the collective wisdom of this room about um, what came up for you, what aha moments were there, what connections did you make? Thanks for sharing that. So there's like a harmful element of um, some interpretations of Eve's story where Eve is to blame for all sin everywhere, all the time. Uh, and, and all women are too. Thanks. The fall of man. The fall of man. Yeah, thanks. Actually, that's a good point, Cecilia. Because um, in that passage, Adam's there for that whole conversation, but he's... Uh, passive and silent and not say anything. Yep. Yeah. definitely has implications for, has had implications for the way we um, treat women in public spaces in, in regards to their, like, menstrual cycles or motherhood or breastfeeding or things like that. Thanks. Yeah. I want to respectfully disagree with 
disagree. I feel like there's an over-interpretation going on here. I mean, can you, I don't recall exact incidents in my upbringing of, oh, this is Eve's fault. You know, it's like the fall. But I think it's, I think we should be more critical and responsible with this instead of just saying that every, like our culture is saturated with a type of uh, uh, evic misogyny, whereas in some, some, maybe that's true in some, and I'm not saying these you know, things shouldn't be celebrated, but I just want to be careful that we're not lazy with our thinking here. Sure. It's very easy to be politically correct in this sense. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you're fortunate to not receive that interpretation growing up. Thanks for sharing, though. I feel like that, that's something to consider. Can I lean into that a little bit? Sure. Yes. Like 
something that, uh, like, it's a sin that's perpetuated into today. Because when I often think of, like, when I often think of the original sin of Eve eating the apple, which is not why God abandoned us, man after Eve ate the apple, but um, Cain actually abandoned. So, anyway, so, um, <laughs> so, so um, but, but, uh, but, like, uh, when Eve uh, desired wisdom, she saw that the fruit could make one wise. And so that was like, that was her desire. And like, that is a sin that we do all the time, right? Because it's not like God didn't want us to be wise. He wanted us to be wise in the right ways. Mm-hmm. And so like, and so but like for the sake of getting it fast or for the sake of like doing, like doing something as simple as like eating something like, you know, an apple or a shroom or like whatever, <laughs> like, like it makes us wiser in that moment, you know, but we lose so much of the process, you know, and so like, and that was like, I feel, I'm not sure, but I feel sometimes that that is like the core of that sin, other than like, yes, disobeying God, but also like, what is it, what was it, the desire, the true desire in Eve's heart yeah, that led her to do it. Thank you. Any other comments from uh, some other tables? Yeah. Uh, we, I don't know, all, are these the same pictures on every yeah. table? Yeah. Uh, same uh, 10 pictures, so I think, on each. and I were looking at several, and we looked at the one from the you know, three famous artists, Botero, mm-hmm. which is this, this one here. And um, he's got a particular style when she does his painting. <clears throat> but what we were commenting on was that uh, there are two apples on the ground, and so they've already participated in each one in, in partaking of that fruit hmm. or apple or whatever fruit it was. Uh, and, uh, but Adam is already covering himself and Eve is already covering herself. But Adam keeps eating. There's another apple. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, we've, we've been discussing recently about how, you know, one of the questions says, what is... Um, what have Christian interpretations of her affected your understanding? And one of those interpretations is that the, the man is the spiritual guide and the head of spirituality in the household. And so this is an example of how, um, and this is where we were goofing off ourselves, we calling him a goof because here he is, he's not taking up that <laughs> role of spiritual guide by continuing to mm-hmm. eat this fruit. And so that's just, Botero's interpretation and the one that we picked up, but that's, that's those are the thoughts that we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you see the snake over the shoulder again. That's another, mm-hmm. I don't know what the symbolism there is, but uh, that was how we reacted to this uh, in, in answering how have Christian's interpretation of her affected your understanding of women. And a lot of that comes up um, uh, around the idea that uh, men and women aren't equal and that... Uh, marriages, for instance, the man is the spiritual head of the household, and the woman is subversive, and, and so there isn't this, this, um, uh, what's the right word? No, that's the right word. word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> submissive. 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 Yeah. Submissive. Uh, and, uh, Freudian slip. Submissive uh, and subversive. <laughs> that's the, uh, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Um, it's interesting in the, well, I, I think a lot of you know there are two creation accounts in the book of Genesis. 
and they each take a slightly different approach to that story. And if you look back in the myths of other other cultures which existed before the Christian faith or the Jewish faith, like you'll you'll hear the same story. So it's kind of tweaked in different cultures as it goes down. Um, and one the word that they use for Adam in Genesis is um, like ha Adam, which is translates to something like clod or like piece of earth or something in that vein. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. Bear with me. Um, but it it doesn't, this, this being does not have a gender at the beginning. That's uh, something to keep in mind that the gender differentiation happened later. Okay. Probably have time for maybe one more. I'm interested in hearing about Mary. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Any, any comments yeah. about Mary? Okay. Let's do two. Uh, one, two. Um, I have a, this image of a, I think it's a South Asian woman um, who looks like Mary. And the thing that drew me to her was um, that she looked like she had wisdom, that she or that she'd earned her wisdom. And I find, my, I find myself increasingly drawn to images of Mary. I grew up Catholic, so I grew up around a lot of images of Mary. And inevitably they were, not always, but inevitably they were like very young and fresh-faced and, you know, her purity was kind of given to her. Mm-hmm. And something I appreciate about this image, this woman also looks young, but there's something in her, like she's seen sorrow or she's mm-hmm. seen pain. And um, and I love the idea of Mary, the mother of God, having like earned her grace and her wisdom through living life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really meaningful to me. Yeah. One of the challenges we had when we were trying to come up with the images for the series, like we really wanted them to be most, if not all, women of color, because that's accurate <laughs> for that uh, culture and uh, for who they were. Um, but when you Google Mary Bible, Eve Bible, all you come up with, like for the first like page or so of images, are like Mary's always um, young, white, fresh face, totally clothed, like head to toe, <laughs> and Eve's like all out there. Like, uh, also kind of fresh face and white and uh, not not wearing any clothing so it's uh, it, we got pretty angry actually during the process of, of not that they weren't out there they just uh, because of our culture they were not very easily accessible yes one more so what you just said what you just put your finger on one of the main reasons we want to have this series is because we want to connect with that love experience it for ourselves and be examples of that love in our culture um i grew up in a church community where the sacred feminine was covered (laughs) like that's pretty much all we covered um the the male side of god the male names in the bible um 
it was rare that we talked very long or deeply about women in nuanced ways um, or that we heard their story from their perspective. So thanks for naming that. Um, we have a few closing statements about Eve and Mary, and you all have covered a lot of them, <laughs> as it turns out. It's a pretty smart room. Um, we know there's room in Christian interpretation to talk about God as the, the feminine nature of God because of scriptures like um, God sheltering those in difficulty under the protective shadow of her wings in the Psalms or knitting together new life in the womb. Uh, God as a midwife in Psalm 22, a washerwoman scrubbing away at stains in Isaiah in the Psalms. Jesus himself used a metaphor of the womb when describing being born of God through water and the spirit in the book of John. And Jesus later, um, while looking at the city Jerusalem, talking about wanting to gather the people together like a hen protects her brood under her wings. So given that, th those very strong <laughs> references in the Bible, um, there's room for us to talk about Eve and Mary and their, um, what they have to teach us when it comes to the sacred feminine. You all already named all the points I was hoping to bring up <laughs> for uh, the Eve wrap-up, so I'm going to turn it over to Victoria. Well done. I want to expand on some of the conversations we started having about Mary, the mother of Jesus, um, because as I started researching, like Wendy said, when we were looking at images, you had to do a lot of digging. It was definitely easier to find a lot of icons and images of Mary as opposed to Eve. Um, but the thing that kept coming up for me in this process is how Mary embodies like such a, like we're such multifaceted, complex human beings. And my interpretation of her, um, either through like societal conditioning or whatever that has been, has been this like lily white image of Mary with this halo um, and this purity um, and this idea that she was passive when actually she was deeply engaged and active um, and subversive. Um, right word, yes. <laughs> Not submissive, subversive, okay. Second guess myself there for a minute. Um, and with that, how um, there was a couple readings that really impacted me about uh, the story of Mary, the idea that um, to understand mercy, we must begin with Mary and this idea that God takes mercy on a suffering world and sends us all to make it better, and Mary embodies that mercy and that love um, in her story. Uh, the deep wisdom that she carries, how she is actively um, and politically engaged in um, certain parts of scripture. Um, the three examples where they talk about Mary's mercy being... Um, displayed is in the visitation in Luke 1, um, which we read at the beginning, as well as the wedding of Cana and the passion. And the passion um, was a really big, impactful reading for me in understanding Mary's story. Um, there is a quote that stood out to me that says that, that the inner Mary... This deep source of life and protection um, and the way that she lived her life, she turned suffering into um, 
her long suffering became this this joy um, in the way that she carried um, the way that she carried the responsibility that was that was placed on her her calling um, and how that um, kind of speaks to the strength and the struggle within all of us um, her resiliency and her strength and witnessing the pain of Jesus's death and how that transformed um, the idea that again God had so much mercy um, on a suffering world that her story is able to express that um, that deep love and mercy and grace so mercy is no frail thing I, I think it opened up this whole new amazing world for me um, that I'm excited to continue to explore and that I hope you as well are excited to continue to explore and we want you to take home the image that you chose this evening so that you can place it um, if you have a meditation corner that's a great place to place it um, keep it in your purse at your desk just as a way of engaging with the sacred feminine as we tap into this and explore this topic um, I think visuals can help us ask a lot of questions about our inner life and how we're embracing those aspects of Mary's story and Eve's story and the wisdom that exists within that. We've talked some about the implications of this conversation throughout the night, um, but I wanted to explicitly mention at the end, uh, personally, I, I um, two things. So there's like a personal implication piece and a communal implication piece. Um, for me, the reason I, I need this conversation, why I need this community in the, as part of the conversation is um, um, in the church when I was growing up, I was in a youth group and we did this play called The First Church of Pete's Garage. It was uh, a play about uh, like a bunch of teenagers planning a church because they were mad at their parents not doing it right. Um, and my boyfriend at the time uh, was cast in the part of Pete, who was the pastor of this garage church plant. And I was cast in the part of the pastor's girlfriend. Um, I don't even remember her name. Did she have a name? <laughs> You know, like, I know there, there are a lot of women in the Bible who are, go unnamed, so that, that actually would have kind of fit with that. But um, at the time, I didn't think I could be anything else. I would love for all of us and our young people and our children to grow up in a culture where that is not limiting for them. And also, we want to think about um, who's impacted um, by this conversation communally, um, I think about those who are in more in, in like industries that we consider more nurturing, like childcare or nursing or um, people who are in food service and hospitality, moms. Um, I think that if we took the sacred feminine seriously, they would have more rights and more justice.